My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. We've all heard the expression, seeing is believing. Today I'd like to ponder a new expression, believing is seeing. Just what do believers see, or rather, need to see? Before we answer that question, let's look at the characters in this story. Lazarus is the first character we're going to look at. You might remember the old spiritual poor man Lazarus, sick and disabled. Dip your finger in the water, come and cool my tongue, because I'm tormented in the flame. One of my favorite spirituals. Lazarus in Hebrew means God has helped. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't call this a parable. He just told it like it was a story. And he was sharing this story with the people who were already supposed to know the truth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had studied the word of God and the law and the prophets. And Jesus is targeting the people who are in the know. I'm sorry to say, if we set the Wayback Machine to 2022, this parable is aimed at the people in the know, and guess who they are? That's us. And Jesus says, you have all that you need to know in Scripture. Are you actually living by it? So Lazarus in Hebrew means God has helped. Now, if I were a poor man laying on a mat by a rich man's gate with sores on my body that the dogs were licking... I would have to ask myself a question. How exactly is God helping me? But I want you to notice that Lazarus in the story, we hear about his condition, but not about his character. We don't know if he's a good man. We don't know if he's a bad man. We don't know if he's a spiritual man. We just know that he is a poor man, like the spiritual says, sick and disabled. And there is no causality. Often Jesus will tell us that this person is in this condition because they did this. Uh, my friend Bob was here yesterday and I introduced him to somebody in the church. I said, this is the Bob you hear about in sermons. One of his favorite lines is, you know the best way to get out of a hole? Stop digging, right? If you're in a hole, there's a good chance that you dug that hole. Just nod like this. It's true. Sin is the hole we dig for ourselves. And the first thing we need to do is stop digging. There is no causality in the story. We don't know how Lazarus got to be there. All we know is his condition, which is the same thing we can say for the rich man. Now, traditionally, the rich man's name is Dives. That's Latin for rich. I wrote it down. It's for rich opulent and wealthy. So as I was preparing for this sermon, one of the resources uh, encouraged you to go, and I can't remember the name of the website, I wish I'd written down, but you go to this website and you plug in your annual income and it will tell you what percentage of people in the world you make more money than that. Most Americans are in the one percentile. In fact, I just put mine in. I didn't put Vicky's in. I just put mine in. And the little thing came up and said, I make 50 times more than the average person in the world. I'm thinking, I, 
I don't feel wealthy, but according to the story and that website, I would be in the wealthy category. When I was in seminary, we had a guy from India, lived down the hall, his name was Temjin Ayer. And Temjin came down. Now, I want you to know, I was driving a 1978 Chevette in the middle of the 80s to seminary. I had my bicycle, and Temjin said, you are so wealthy. I said, Temjin, I got this ancient car. I'm eating ramen noodles and chicken dogs for dinner. I am not wealthy. He said, but you have three radios. Because I had the old Walkman, remember that, for riding my bike. I had one that was in a console. And then I had my own boom box from when I was a music teacher. And the thing that impressed him the most is that I had three radios. And he just had this awe on his face that I was such a wealthy man. Now, the good news is I'm not going to preach about wealth. I'm not going to preach about opulence. I'm not going to preach about you need to give everything away. I'm also not going to preach on the fact that we need to take everything away. That, you hear that a lot these days. Well, the rich are too rich. We need to take their money away and give it to the poor. No, that's not what this parable is about. This parable is about seeing the needs of the people around you. Because we got one more person in this parable that we talk about, and that would be Abraham. Abraham, after Lazarus and Dives pass, is in Abraham's bosom. And, and there's some theologians that believe that there is a place that is paradise, but it's not quite heaven yet, because we won't go to heaven, heaven, until Jesus comes back. I don't care, as long as I get to go wherever God is, who cares what they call it? But Abraham's bosom is that, that pleasant paradise holding place, some theologians think, before we go to heaven, and they're finally caring for Lazarus. He's in the bosom of Abraham. He is snuggled right up to Abraham. It's warm and it's safe, and he's full and cared for. And Abraham shares three truths. The first truth is this. We cannot cross from hell to heaven. We can't get to either one on our own. There's no way for us to cross from one to the other. The second truth he shares is this, and this is a hard one to hear. You're going to spend eternity in one of those two places. Good news is, this is not a fire and brimstone sermon either. It's just a fact. The Bible makes it very clear. Depending on your choices and your relationship with God, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to Hades, or Sheol, or Gahana, or whatever name you want to have for it. In my classroom, my thinking chair is called Pluto, because it's a cold, dark place that nobody wants to go to. Well, that's about what hell is like, but Abraham's truth is that it's, it's not, how can I put this? You've heard the people say, well, we're all going to go one place or the other. The Bible makes it clear that that's not true. And the last thing is this. Abraham makes it clear that everything you need to know for your eternal salvation has already been shared. It's in the scripture. It's in the fellowship of the body. It's in the, the, the Bible classes that we teach and the songs that we sing. The truth is there, but like the snooze button on our alarm clock, some of us have heard it so much that it literally goes in one ear and out the other. Then you have to ask the question, who are you in this story? 
Are you broken and in need of healing? Are you a Lazarus in this story? Are you one of these wealthy, opulent, rich people that have three radios that really has no clue? And I don't mean this as an insult, but we have no idea what it's like to live in a third world country. In fact, a friend of mine says he doesn't like short-term missions because people think when they go to a third world country, oh, I can do this for two weeks. Do it for 20 years. Do it for 40 years. Do it for 60 years. It's a drastic change. So are you broken like Lazarus? Are you blessed like Dives? Or are you like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, a believer that needs to see? Now, you know me, I like a good list. And I almost sat down to start writing a list of the people that are in need, the people that we as the church need to see. And then I realized that whatever list I wrote would not be an exhaustive list. And then if there was somebody in need, one of my parishioners or one of our listeners online would go, well, that wasn't on the list. I don't have to help that person. So I'm sorry to say there's no list today. But I want you to hear this. It was on the news this week. Anxiety and depression in this world post-COVID is going through the roof. They said at any given time, 30 to 40 Americans are suffering from a major depressive episode. Churches need to respond to that. Have you been watching the news? Suicide is on the increase. One of the reasons that some of the schools in poorer neighborhoods brought the kids back early, and I didn't know this until recently, is because during COVID, when we were all locked in the houses, Domestic and child abuse went through the roof. And the gap between rich and poor is increasing daily. People are drowning in debt. They're drowning in noise. They're lonely and they're painful. They've got emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, relational pain. And here's the good news. We have the cure. The cure is Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can cross that great chasm. Jesus came to reach us. The church, are you asleep? Have you hit the snooze button too often? I know it's not Christmas, but this story sort of reminds me of a combination of Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, George Bailey. Both of them needed to see that their life had an impact on the people around them, and then they, they woke up at the end, so to speak, And had to change their lives. Jesus is saying if you're asleep there's still a chance. This is your wake up call. To hear what you need to see and to respond. Now the the alarm is ringing for us. And you know I spend a lot of time in West Virginia at work camp. I want to read this to you. There's a sign series on the West Virginia Turnpike that says. Driving while drowsy can put you to sleep. Permanently. Drowsy, uncaring living can put us to sleep permanently. And that kind of person, Jesus says, is separating himself from God until it becomes permanent by digging a chasm between himself and heaven that even the love of God will not bridge. Wilfred Grenfell, a medical missionary to Labrador, was at a dinner in London. And during the course of the dinner, the lady seated next to him said, Is it true, Dr. Grenfell, 
that you're a missionary. Dr. Grenfell looked at her for a moment and replied, is it true, madam, that you are not? That's a powerful question. Is it true that you are not a missionary? How would we like to deal with that question when we stand before the throne of God? Is it true that you lived only for yourself, for your family? Is it true that you had opportunities to help the hungry, the thirsty, the lonely, the dying, and you walked by as if you weren't, as if they weren't even there? Is it true that you weren't a missionary? I want you to hear the picture that Jesus is painting. Lazarus was neither a good nor a bad person. Dives was neither a good nor a bad person, but the situation was one that we participate in every day. Because if Lazarus was at the gate of Dives' house, what did Dives see every time he went in and out and in and out? There was a crying need right in front of him, and he put in his earbuds, and he put on his shades, and he walked right past It's like a five-year-old being led to cross the street. Now, my daughter doesn't want me to tell you this, but when she was five years old, they had street crossing class the same time they had uh, fire class. And she got them mixed up. So instead of stop, look, and listen, you'd say, Diana, what do you have to do to cross the street? And she'd shout, stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> but that's what Jesus is saying. Church, we need to stop. We need to look. We need to listen. Is there someone sitting at the gate of your house or your workplace or your life? Well, let me rephrase that. There is someone sitting at the gate of your house or workplace or life. And they need to know Jesus. Who is the Lazarus at your gate? Last story is this. There's an ancient story about a botanist who was studying the bell heather found in the highlands of Scotland. While looking through the microscope at this beautiful flower, he was approached by a shepherd who asked what he was doing. Rather than trying to explain, the botanist invited the shepherd to peer through the microscope and observe for himself. When the shepherd saw the wonder of the flower, he exclaimed, my God, and I have been trampling on these my whole life. Church, we need to stop we need to look. We need to listen. However, my best list, as I said earlier, could not be exhaustive. It would, it would leave too many loopholes. So today I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. Today we're trusting the Holy Spirit to help us as believers. Let me get this right. To adopt the new moniker, the new phrase. Not seeing is believing, but believing is seeing.